Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to a Voice in the Wilderness podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Freen. We will be starting Unit 2 of Principles of Life from the Word of God. Unit 2 is the whole family in heaven and earth. Over the next five weeks, we will be studying the whole family in heaven and earth. We will study the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the angels. We will also talk about the beginning of sin and uh, some other topics such as that. To begin this study, let's read an overview of it. It says, The Godhead or Trinity consists of the Eternal Father, a personal spiritual being, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, infinite in wisdom and love. The Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Eternal Father, through whom all things were created, through whom the salvation of the redeemed hosts will be accomplished. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, the great regenerating power of in the work of redemption. Jesus Christ is the is very God, being of the same nature and essence as the eternal Father. While retaining his divine nature, he took upon himself the nature of the human family, lived on the earth as a man, exemplified in his life as our example, the principles of righteousness, attested his relationship to God by many mighty miracles, died for our sins on the cross, was raised from the dead, and ascended to the Father, where he ever lives, to make intercession for us. God only hath immortality. 1 Timothy 6.16 Mortal man possesses a nature inherently sinful and dying. Eternal life is the gift of God through faith in Christ. Romans 6.23 He that hath the Son hath life. 1 John 5.12 Immortality is bestowed upon the righteous at the second coming of Christ. When the righteous dead are raised from the grave, and the living righteous translated to meet the Lord. It is Then it is that those accounted faithful put on immortality. 1 Corinthians 15, 51-55. So we will be starting the whole family in heaven. Today's study in study number, uh, study number 7 of the overall lesson is the Godhead or Trinity. And our memory verse for that is Deuteronomy 6.4. The Lord our God is one Lord. Allow us to open up with a small word of prayer before we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for another day of life. We thank you for another chance to come before your word and be instructed by it, to be led by it, and to be convicted where necessary. Lord, I pray now that as we open your word, our hearts will be opened to the leading of your Holy Spirit and angels that excel in might will beat back the forces of darkness that seek to distract us from that goal. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, O Lord. Amen. Three distinct agencies, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, work together for human beings. They are united in the work of making the church on earth like the church in heaven. They place the resources of heaven at the disposal of those who will appreciate and impart these spiritual treasures multiplying them by using them to the glory of God. Every diligent effort to improve adds to the gifts we have. The powers of heaven work with human beings in the plan of multiplication. Christ, the Word, the only begotten of God, was one with the Eternal Father, one in nature, in character, in purpose, the only being that could enter into all the counsels and purposes of God. We want to discuss now the unity of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are those that believe that um, Christ was created later on, that 
um, the Father chose him um, out of all the other created beings. But we'll see that there's a unity between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that they are three distinct beings, three distinct persons, but they all occupy the same Godhead, which is quite frankly difficult to understand because we can't fully comprehend God, right? The Bible reminds reminds us again that his ways are not our ways. His ways are above ours. We are infinite. He is, we are finite. He is infinite. So we want to identify the three persons of the Godhead. We already kind of, you know, did that, but we're going to go to the Bible to find this because we want the Bible to answer every question we have as to life if we are going to claim to be followers of Christ. Matthew 28:19 says Turn over two more here, sorry. 28:19 says, "Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost." So this is the great commission. He's telling us to go, but he's telling us who we are to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Second Corinthians 13, 14 says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. And then one more in 1 John 5, 7. First John chapter five and verse seven says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Now it says the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. We know that throughout Scripture that Christ is referred to as the Word. John says, uh, in the beginning the Word was with God and the Word was God. Um, here he's talking about the Christ about Christ. So although there are three persons in the Godhead, we want to know how are they represented in the Bible. Let's go backwards all the way to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. How are they represented in the Bible? Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So it says that there's three Baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. There are three that bear record in heaven. Uh, God, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. But it says that they are one. They are one together. They are cohesive. They are unified. Let's also see this in uh, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 10. And verse 30 says, I and my Father are one. This is in a red letter Bible, so it's Jesus speaking here. He says, I and my Father are one. They are together. They are working together. They are one person. Uh, I'm sorry, they're two separate persons, but they're unified together. Ephesians 4, 5, and 6. (laughs) 
Ephesians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6 says, One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So our Lord is one Lord. We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. While God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit are three separate and distinct beings, yet they are one in nature, in character, in purpose, working in such close relationship as to be one. Moses endeavored to explain this truth to Israel when he said, The Lord our God is one Lord in Deuteronomy 6.4. Some quotes here, the Ministry of Healing, uh, page 422 says, The unity that exists between Christ and his disciples does not destroy the personality of either. They are one in purpose and mind, in character, but not in person. It is thus that God and Christ are one. This, the next one comes from John D. Davis, the Westminster Dictionary of the Bible, article God. It is the same God from whom, through, from whom, through whom, and by whom are all things, who is at once the Father who provides, the Son who accomplishes, and the Spirit who applies redemption. Councils on Health, page 222, says the Godhead was stirred with pity for the race, and the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit gave themselves to the working out of the plan of redemption. That should cause us all to say amen. The God, that God was stirred to pity for us. And they all work together for the accomplishment of our redemption, whether we accept that or not. So how, how did the three members of the Godhead work together? In the creation of the world, we're going to go first to Genesis. Obviously, Genesis uh, is the beginning. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2 and verse 26 says, And the earth was without form, and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. So here we can see that the Holy Spirit was there even in the beginning. And then verse 26 and said, and says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So you notice here it says our. Make, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Then we're going to go forward to Hebrews. Hebrews chapters, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2 says, God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed their heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So it says that he... Um, Christ made the worlds. Uh, it says that the Holy Spirit was there and that God is speaking to us today. The Father is the source, the Son, the inter intermediary, and the Holy Spirit is the medium through which the creation came into being. That is from Leroy E. From The Coming of the Comforter, page 49.1. So, 
one of the things we want to ask is, how do they work together in the plan of redemption? In the redemption of sinful man, the Father gives, the Son yields, and the Holy Spirit impresses. We see that throughout the Bible, the um, that the Lord gives grace. The Lord gave his Son. The Son yielded to the death of the cross. And then we see Jesus talking to his disciples about the coming of the comforter, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and part of the role of the Holy Spirit is to impress our hearts, to convict us of sin, and to lead us into all truth. In the following text, what characteristics do you find possessed by each member of the Godhead? John 3.16. Oops, too far. John 3. Turn my pages here. John 3.16. We all know John 3.16, but it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So here we see that God loved, God gave his begotten Son, that we might not perish. It's one of the characteristics we find in the Godhead of the Father. Ephesians 5.2. I'm going to go back to Ephesians 5.2 says, and walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Here we see Christ. His characteristic is to give of himself as a sacrifice for us um, to God. And then Romans, going backwards a little bit to Romans. Romans 15 and verse 30 says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. <clears throat> so we see the, a char one of the characteristics of the Spirit is love, um, that we pray, and the Holy Spirit carries those prayers to the Son, and the Son carries those to the Father. So now let's look at just God the Father. How are we to address the first person of the Godhead? How are we to address him? We find this in Matthew. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9 says, After this manner therefore pray ye our Father which art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name. So when we address the Lord, we call him Father. And we need to keep into our mind that his name is hallowed. His name is holy. What are some of the offices of the Father as presented in the scripture? Genesis 1.1, we know this. He is the creator. So let's turn to sorry, Daniel. Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10. It says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was uh, like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels are as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him, Thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were open. 
So we see him sitting uh some of the offices, we see him as the creator, we see him sitting on a throne, so he is king, and we also see him in Daniel as the judge. Because it says the judgment was set. What does God have in himself? What does he have in himself? Let's turn to John. The Gospel of John, chapter uh, 5. Gospel of John, chapter 5, and verse uh, 26. It says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. So what does God have in himself? He inherently has life. He is immortal. He uh, is not like us. So I guess there's a common there is a common thought out there that God is just sitting on the throne. He's devoid of any kind of personality. So does he have a personality? It says here in Testimonies, Volume 9, page 68, the Father and the Son each have a personality. Um, we can see that God has personality in the Bible because he loves us. We see that he is just. We see that he is um, ever thinking about his people. So let it let us look now at God the Son. Who is Jesus and what positions does he occupy and what has he done? We're going to go through these a little uh rapidly. There's a few of them here. He is the word, all things were made by him. And you see that in John 1 1 through 3. The Word was made flesh, John 1, 14. The bright, he is the brightness of his Father's glory, Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. The Apostle and High Priest in Hebrews 3, 1. The, ple- the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. He is an advocate with the Father, 1 John 2, 1. He is faithful and true, the Word of God, Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Okay, so we want to compare the Son with the Father. John 14. John 14 and verse 28 says, Ye have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. If ye loved me, ye would rejoice, because I said, I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And then we're going to go to Hebrews um, Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. It says, Hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. So Christ in here says that he that the Father is greater than he, and I believe that is true um, 
at that time. Obviously, we find throughout the Bible that they are equal. They just hold uh, different roles within the Godhead. It says in the um, Old Testament that before Jesus was born, that he would would be called uh, Heavenly Father, Comforter, Prince of Peace. So what valuable gift did the Son receive from the Father? John 5, 26. John 5, 26. For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself. John 10, 17 and 18. John 10, 17 and 18. Therefore doth my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. So it says that the valuable gift that the Son received from the Father was uh, life, to give life. We see that uh, Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, That without the Son, we don't have life. So how did Jesus address the Father? John 17, 11. We're going to do 11, 21, 24, and 25. So verse 11 says, And now I am no more in the world. I'm sorry. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are one. Referred to him as Holy Father there. Verse 21. That they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And then verses 24 and 25 say, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which thou hast given me. For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. So he refers to him constantly there as Father. As recorded in the Gospel, Jesus, when referring to God, used the expression, My Father, 57 times. All right. God, the Holy Spirit. Not a lot said about the Holy Spirit um, throughout the scripture. And we're going to see that. We're going to see that. We're going to study this. What does the Holy Spirit do? Genesis 1, 2. We already went over that. It said that he was hovering over the face of the waters. He was present at the uh, creation. So he obviously had a role in creation. John 14, 26 says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then 15, verse 26, says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. So he testifies of Jesus. He brings us into all truth. And then chapter 
16, 8, 13, and 14. Verse 8 says, And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And then 13 and 14 says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that he shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. In harmony with what does he work? So in harmony, who does the um, Holy Spirit work with? We're going to go backward to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. The, the Holy Spirit brings us light because he brings us truth. And if um, anyone speaks according to this word, um, the Holy Spirit, he teaches according to the word of God. If not, then he would not be of God. Sin could be resisted and overcome only through the mighty agency of the third person of the Godhead who would come with no modified energy, but in the fullness of divine power. The operations of the Spirit are always in harmony with the written word. Study the following references carefully and decide whether or not the Holy Spirit has a personality. Can we see that the Holy Spirit has a personality? So, A through F, we're going to see that he can have a personality. He he can be tempted and lied to, Acts 5, 3, 4, and 9. He has a mind, Romans 8, 27. He loves, Romans 15, 30. Knows the things of man, 1 Corinthians 2, 11. He has a will, 1 Corinthians 12, 11. May be communed with, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. And he can be grieved, Ephesians 4, 30. We need to realize that the Holy Spirit is as much a person as God is a person. The Holy Spirit is Christ's representative, but divested of the personality of humanity and independent thereof. So this is important. Is it necessary to understand or define the Holy Spirit? The, the Bible gives us plenty of knowledge as to the Holy Spirit and as to the things of the Holy Spirit what his role is, but it doesn't tell us everything. It doesn't tell us how he works um, completely. It doesn't tell us like, what does he look like? Cause the Bible does tell us what God, the father looks like. So is it necessary to understand or define the Holy spirit? It is not essential for us to be able to define just what the Holy spirit is. The nature of the Holy Spirit is a mystery. Men cannot explain it because the Lord has not revealed it to them. Men having fanciful views may bring together passages of Scripture and put a human construction on them, but the acceptance of these views will not strengthen the church. Regarding such mysteries which are too deep for human understanding, silence is golden. Who moved upon the holy men of God to write the prophecies? 
We're going to go to 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1 and verse 21 says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Mm. So we see that there are three members of the Godhead. We see that each of them has a different role, but they are still unified. And we see that all three of them have a personality. Here are some things to remember from our study. It is encouraging to know that the three members of the Godhead who have cooperated in all things since the beginning are still cooperating in the redemption of the human race. At the baptism of Jesus, all three persons of the Godhead or Trinity were present. The Father spoke, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Son was praying on the bank of the Jordan, and the Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove. This is from Manuscript uh, Release, April 19, 1900. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, powers infinite and omniscient, receive those who truly enter into covenant relation with God. They are present at every baptism to receive the candidates who have renounced the world and have received Christ into the soul temple. These candidates have entered into the family of God and their names are inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Our next study in study eight is My Father and Your Father. We are going to study... Uh, God the Father and allow us now to close with a small word of prayer Heavenly Father we thank you again for the the gift of your Holy Spirit we thank you again for the fact that he leads us into truth through your word and I pray that you will continue to guide us through uh, life's obstacles and that your Holy Spirit will be there to lead us in the Uh, straight and narrow path. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.